Hi all, welcome to this new episode of my podcast, A Digital Tomorrow. Today, I'm joined by Anka Petre, a health tech and blockchain speaker and consultant. Anka, among many other things, founded 23 Consulting, which is based in Paris. 23 Consulting, uh, and you will hear more from Anka herself, but just to make a quick summary, is uh, well the place to hear about the latest uh, tech uh, trends in healthcare, a blockchain, metaverse, NFTs. Uh, so, uh, Anka, welcome to my show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure, and it's actually very exciting uh, for me to host you uh, today because, as you know, most of my episodes so far have been focusing on the um, financial uh, side of this uh, digital world. As you know, my podcast is called The Digital Tomorrow, but so far I covered more uh, finance-related uh, topics. So talking about someone like you, who's an expert on, on healthcare, and especially on how tech can be applied to healthcare, is actually going to be very exciting, and I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. Well, thank you. I'm actually looking forward uh, to this conversation as well, because I think we have very complementary backgrounds um, and you coming more from the fintech and crypto world and myself coming more from healthcare. I think we can have an interesting discussion. Indeed, indeed, I fully agree. I think we should start like from the very beginning, you no? Know, and I think uh, it would be interesting for you if you could share your uh, personal journey with my audience, like, for example, uh, when was your passion for uh, for this intersection between tech and health born? Um, how did you get uh, where you are right now? Yes, absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned, um, I come from healthcare. Um, I have a pharmaceutical doctorate, so much of my background is very much related to um, health and care and uh, drug production and everything that has to do uh, with supporting patients um, who are suffering from a disease. Um, so blockchain and crypto and NFT and metaverse were quite far from my everyday life, let's say. Um, but I was fortunate enough when I was still, I think it was in my third or fourth year studying pharmacy to meet a professor who was a fintech expert. Um, he was a quite well-known social media influencer in everything that had to do with blockchain and fintech. Um, that was back in 2015 or 16, so quite a while ago. And I remember he talked to me about blockchain. And back then, it was something that I had not heard of. Uh, Bitcoin was a... A, a currency that was still very much known just in a small sphere of people. Uh, it was not the mainstream cryptocurrency that we know today. So I was, um, my studies were very far from all of these considerations. Um, yet I went up to him and asked him to explain to me what blockchain is, just out of pure curiosity. And he told me that he will not explain anything to me that um, I should take matters into my own hands and go figure it out by myself what blockchain is, simply by searching it online. And he added that I should not only search what blockchain is, but I should try to make a link between my field, which is healthcare and blockchain and see if this technology had anything to do at all with what I was studying. And so I took that pretty much as a challenge um, and it was quite exciting to me to get to 
know a bit more about this, what seemed very mysterious technology back then. So I did what I guess anyone would do. I just typed on Google and YouTube, what is blockchain? <laughs> and I came across a huge amount of technical information. It was overwhelming. I had no technical background. I knew nothing about um, computer science or cryptography or anything like that. I was very far from it, but I had to sort of learn the basics to understand what blockchain was because back then we were not talking in terms of use cases. We were talking in terms of hashes and consensus algorithms. So it was all very, very technical. So it took me a while, but I kind of figured out what it was. And that's how I started writing articles on LinkedIn about what blockchain was and how it could be used in healthcare. Because I figured that if I was asking myself that question, maybe I could share with other people that had the same questions, everything that I found. Uh, so it was just purely looking it up, thinking about it a little bit, and then putting it down on paper, well, in this case on LinkedIn, and sharing with other people, hoping that if someone else might be interesting by the same topic. So this is how it all started. Well, that's very interesting. And I think that um, your journey is a clear example of, um, of how uh, and why blockchain no, should be applied, for example, to other areas in the sense that um, I mean, we all know how and when blockchain was born, why it was created, but I always try to explain when, when talking about blockchain to the general public that um, this technology can be applied to many more areas. And I know that at the end of the day, uh, even, even when you try to talk about other areas, you always kind of end up like getting back to finance, but there are many more areas beyond finance. And one, of course, is uh, healthcare. And I think it's very interesting you know, to well, to, to hear about how you actually started to learn about this technology and how you started to, to realize that um, this can, could be applied to, to this area of uh, healthcare. So um, thank you very much for sharing your journey, which is, I think, very enlightening. Um, well, I think for everyone, but especially for those who, like me, are trying to explain uh, that uh, technologies like blockchain well, can be applied to many different uh, areas. And, well, following this, I mean, in your work as an international uh, thought leader on this area, you are uh, focused, as I said, on bringing uh, new technologies, not just blockchain, to the health uh, industry, uh, whilst involving uh, patients in this uh, process of digital innovation. How can patients be involved in this uh, digital innovation process? Well, this is sort of the million dollar question, right? Um, it's a very tricky one and one that requires the whole healthcare mindset to shift. The reason I'm saying that is because for centuries now, we have been approaching healthcare as something that is um, for the patient. Uh, that's something that um, doctors and the industry provide to patients. So the patient has very much been in a very passive role where they receive care they are at the end of the care production line and they are just the ones who steadily wait until care is uh, thrown at them in, in some way and i believe that this is an, an approach that is reaching sort of an end um, the reason being that patients today 
have the means to seek information about their health, have the means to find care outside of traditional healthcare settings. They also are able to um, use technology as a way of tracking their health, as a way of improving their health. And so they are not that much reliable on health providers anymore. And so because this dependence is, well, it's, it's still strong, we have to admit it, but it's less strong than what it used to be, patients are taking a more active role in healthcare. For instance, if, you've, um, if you suffer from a disease, I bet the first thing you'll do is look it up online, right? You will just type the name of the disease on Google and see what Dr. Google has to say. Um, this is quite new, right? Um, or during COVID, a lot of people uh, used their connected watches to uh, see how much exercise they were getting in. Uh, they used connected um, oximeters to measure the oxygen in their blood and anticipate uh, getting COVID. So you can see that patients are really taking ownership of their care and trying to be more and more and more involved and more active. And so this is why I think that patients have to be more involved in innovation as well, because they are the only ones who know what they need, right? I mean, as a pharmacist or a doctor, you can sort of anticipate what a, what a patient needs. You can bring a scientific knowledge and background to the solution, but you will never um, be in a patient's shoes unless, of course, you suffer from that, that disease. But Patients are key, just as in any other industry, you work with your customers to design your products and customer feedback is really important. In healthcare, we should also have patient feedback um, each time we innovate because that feedback is really important to make sure that um, the innovation that you're putting on the market will address an actual need. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned now um, COVID-19, the pandemic, um... Well, the pandemic, of course, has had like uh, many uh, negative consequences. I mean, that's undeniable. Um, however, in some areas, like for example, uh, well, some fintech related areas like uh, crypto, to some extent, uh, it has been like a catalyst, you no? Know, because it has uh, kind of uh, turbocharged uh, this uh, fintech revolution uh, worldwide. So that's why I wanted to ask you: um, How has the pandemic affected uh, the health tech? Uh, industry. Do you think that the pandemic has, uh, to some extent as well, been uh, what we could call like an unexpected catalyst uh, for uh, health tech innovation? Yes, I do, actually. Um, I remember that at the very beginning of the pandemic, so we were like six months in, um, this reporter from the New York Times said that the pandemic will accelerate healthcare, and in a matter of one year, we will achieve uh, 10 years worth of innovation and acceleration. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, the pandemic did a couple of things. First of all, it created a urgent need for solution. Um, and so because we weren't able to go to hospitals or receive care in traditional ways, there was a huge need for alternative um, solutions. So this is why we saw the emergence of telemedicine, remote patient monitoring and things like that, because the need was there. The second thing it did is that it facilitated access to these technologies. 
um, that from a financial standpoint with huge investments in this area, but also from a regulatory standpoint, because um, there were sort of fast um, acceleration processes that were put in place for solutions to be able to reach patients a lot faster than in normal times. And the last thing it did is that it also made health data much more accessible because health data was sort of at the center of the pandemic because that was what allowed us to um, shape and manage public health measures. This is what helped us know how many beds we need in hospitals. Um, that was what helped us know what type of patients were suffering from what type of disease and how to address those needs. So health data has been really important during the pandemic. And there were a lot of efforts to facilitate the, um, the sharing of health data and make data way more liquid than it used to be. And I think that those three factors combined are what created this huge acceleration that we now have to build upon and not go back to sort of the old way of doing things. I see. You mentioned now uh, the sharing of health uh, data. And well, I mean, we all know um, that uh, any personal data can be a sensitive uh, topic like um, in the West and, and pretty much all across the globe. So uh, do you think that in that sense, uh, there were like any challenges, uh, any any setbacks when it comes to sharing health data, or was it like a smooth uh, process? Well, sharing health data is never a smooth process, is it? Um, so if you're if you work in this industry, you will soon realize that there are huge challenges and struggles when it comes to health data, in terms of infrastructural challenges. Um, data sharing challenges, governance challenges, a whole bunch of different challenges. Uh, but there's one particular that I would like to address and because it ties to the whole blockchain web three metaverse discussion. Um, it is the way that patients see their health data, right? Um, I think that a lot of us believe that patients do not want to share their health data and citizens in general. Um, that we are all very reluctant to data sharing because we're scared of how it might be used. That is somehow true, but most people actually do want to share their health data under two conditions. The first one is to know how it is going to be used. And the second one is to know by whom it is going to be used. And one those, once those two conditions are defined and set and you are transparent, regarding those two things, then patients have no problem sharing their data. Um, so a lot of people in the, in the healthcare setting are quite open to sharing their data for let's say medical research purposes. Um, there's this idea that if healthcare is where it is at today is because other people before us shared their data and we were able to build on that data and create a good health system. And so we kind of have the responsibility to continue on sharing our data as well for generations to come. So uh, medical research is a field where pretty much everyone agrees that da sharing data is a positive thing. Now, on the contrary, when we talk about commercial use of data and we move outside of the medical field and also outside of anonymized data, this is where it gets tricky because citizens in general do not feel very comfortable sharing identifiable data for commercial purposes. 
And this is where it's a bit paradoxical because if we think about it, we do not agree. Yet in our daily lives, we do that on a daily basis. We share identifiable data on social media and other types of platform, but just because what we get in return is worth, worth it or because we don't really know how these platforms use our data. So it's a very complex situation. It really depends on who uses the data and what for. Um, but I do believe that today we have technologies such as blockchain, such as NFTs, and the whole world of Web3 that are here to help citizens and patients have more transparency and visibility over the way that their data is used and be able to be more sovereign over their data, meaning that to be able to decide if you agree or not to share your data with that person, that organization, and under which conditions. And I think that's very powerful as a human right to be able to um, control or at least part of your data. I think that um, maybe the reason why many people are reluctant to share data and in like certain scenarios whilst they share everything on social media is simply because they are used to doing it. No, I mean, whenever you ask someone to sign a paper and they start seeing like GDPR written down in there, they tend to get scared, whereas they don't think that sharing uh, everything on social media is that dangerous. But I think, I mean, it can be as dangerous or even more. No, I think it, it's simply a matter of habit, I guess. Um, I know it's not the same idea, but last week, for example, I was in a panel where we discussed central bank digital currencies. And I think the final um, idea was pretty much the same. I mean, your idea now was about health tech, but it could be applied. No? And we're, people are very um, worried about the idea of, um, you know, governments being like more able to track uh, what payments you make uh, through a CBDC. In that case, we were discussing China's digital yuan, but this can be applied to digital euro, for example, as well. And well, I remember one panelist said something very interesting. He said that, uh, okay, I mean, look, you may be so worried about um, the government, in this case, the Chinese government, knowing uh, what payments you make, but then you don't worry about using, for example, a stable coin, which was actually issued by a private, um, well, um, company, a private company, which will more likely use your data for commercial purposes compared to the government. So I think that's why sometimes when it comes to data, we tend to, to, to chicken out when it comes to certain uh, applications, but then we don't think of these like, uh, like uh, from a wide uh, perspective, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I believe that what um, all these tech companies and platforms do quite well is to show the the why you're sharing your your data i mean not the maybe not the why but the what you're getting in return right um the message is very much focused on um not talking so much about sharing data but talking about getting in contact with people you know sharing photos um expanding your network so those are all the benefits and the the what you get in return right uh, whereas in healthcare and more traditional fields, we are so worried about um, people being scared of the way that we will use health data that our messages are very much centered on that. 
we tell people we are protecting your data we are GDPR compliant, don't worry about it. And it all kind of sounds a bit suspicious, right? <laughs> when, when people tell you that you, there's nothing you should worry about, you kind of start worrying. More, it's more. like telling someone, don't think about the pink elephant in the room. You will think about the pink elephant in the room, right? And so um, I think that we should change the way that we approach it and focus it on the benefits, on what it's in there for you and what are you getting if you agree to sharing your data we should have a much more positive communication style rather than focus like today we have a very defensive one right where we try to anticipate the risk and this is what we talk about and i don't think that is very helpful yeah i guess um, at the end of the day it's all a matter of uh, tangibility you know people want to see tangible uh, things and we mentioned before uh, briefly as well blockchain when i was uh, introducing you so, as I said before, blockchain can be applied to many industries, one of them being the, the healthcare uh, one. So I wanted to ask you, since you are an expert on this, uh, what's the present and future of blockchain in healthcare? Uh, do you think that blockchain is actually a game changer for, for this uh, industry, for the health industry? I do believe it is a game changer. Um, the fundamental promise of blockchain is creating mathematical trust where human trust cannot be created right if we have to summarize the value proposition and the healthcare industry and specifically the pharmaceutical industry is one industry that is in desperate need of more trust uh, there are so many studies out there and i mean even you and i have this perception that people don't really trust the health industry and particularly the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and this is something that we find everywhere in the world. And so when, as I said, there's no way to create human trust, maybe we can create some kind of mathematical trust using technologies. And although that will not replace um, human trust, it will sort of facilitate it maybe or create a structure on which we can then rebuild human trust. So from the blockchain's value proposition is I think very interesting for the health industry. Now, where we are today, um, we've been, it's been like six, seven years uh, of blockchain development in the health industry. So it's quite young, right? Uh, when the internet was six or seven years in, we barely had anything, right? Just static web pages, it was web one, uh, not much going on. So I don't think we can expect anything phenomenal out of blockchain when it's just five or six years old, right? So that's the first statement. Um, the second one is that for a technology that is this young, it has attracted quite a lot of interest and investment. Um, there are massive consortium all over the globe um, working on blockchain applications for healthcare. Um, in Europe, we have things such as Pharma Ledger. Uh, there was another one called My Health, My Data. Estonia has been using blockchain for 10 years now. Uh, in the US, we have MediLedger. We have communities of um, insurance companies working on blockchain and healthcare. So we have these very big players all over the world working together on this project. Are they into production and largely distributed? Not, no, not for now. Uh, but we are closely getting there. And I believe that in upcoming years, we will hear less and less about the technology as we will hear more and more about the way that it is used and the benefits 
that we can extract out of it. Because today it is hard to say, what are some of the advantages that you have as an industry to invest in blockchain? What is your return on investment? It's really hard to say. Um, but I feel like the more people will experiment, the more people will have small scale projects, the more we will be able to answer these questions. And when that will become clear, this is when I will see massive adoption. So I think for now, there's not a high enough incentive for people to actually get into this industry and field and um, look into blockchain and healthcare. But it's just a question of time and maturity and we will eventually get there. And well, I guess that um, most of my listeners are like um, well aware of what blockchain is, how it is applied, but I reckon they must be like wondering right now, like um, um, how can blockchain be actually applied to the healthcare industry? So is there any specific use case that you would like to share with us? I know that, for example, you published something on um, on helping with uh, fake drugs, that blockchain can do that. So if you could elaborate on this case or maybe share any other use case so so the audience gets maybe a much clearer idea of um, how it, it is uh, such a game changer for this industry of course so the foundational idea behind the blockchain is to ensure data integrity meaning that you register a document let's say on a blockchain and you can make sure that document does not change in time or at least you can verify the integrity of the information uh, once you say that, the idea is to look at what type of information do we have in healthcare that is sensitive and that we need to ensure the integrity of. And we have a lot of this kind of data in healthcare. We have things like uh, prescriptions. We want to make sure that once a doctor prescribes or writes a prescription, um, someone is not going to falsify that prescription to get refills. Uh, we want to make sure that that prescription will only serve one patient and will not be used by someone else. We also have other type of documents um, such as consent forms. When you consent to, for instance, a surgical procedure or you consent to enter a clinical study for a drug, you want to make sure that a patient has given consent before doing the procedure or before administering the drug. You also want to make sure that if patient wants to withdraw consent, you keep track of that and you actually apply what the patient wants. Um, you can also use blockchain for things like sensitive medical data, um, let's say for access to medical records. As a patient, if you only want to share sensitive medical records with your GP and let's say cardiologist because you have a cardiac condition, then you can also use blockchain to sort of record the access rights to that sensitive document and make sure that no one else sees them. So there are a lot of different ways in which we can use blockchain in healthcare. And one last example is one that um, is pretty transverse to a lot of industries. It's supply chain, using blockchain to track pharmaceutical products or medical devices down a supply chain to increase traceability and fight against counterfeit products. So there's just a quick overview of what we can do. And what about the uh, metaverse or NFTs in the healthcare industry? Because, well, I mean, I know there's been a lot of um, news on the media, I know, lately on, on the metaverse, Web 3.0, NFTs. So I know it may seem kind of um, difficult for some people to see 
how those ideas can be applied to the health industry, but well, I know that, uh, that you know how, so if you could please uh, share um, what's the connection between these areas or how it can be applied. Well, the way I see it is that the metaverse, NFTs and blockchain are just three different aspects of a whole, a whole an entire thing, right? Um, I don't know what we would call it. Maybe it's Web3, maybe it's something else, but there are just three different aspects of a future world or a future setup in which we will evolve. Um, the metaverse is sort of the where, right? Is where we will be accessing a certain type of services, where, where we will have social encounters, where we will access healthcare, for instance, as today we already have the first experiments for virtual clinics inside the metaverse. Uh, we also have experiments for healthcare universities inside the metaverse, where you can use this immersive world to teach students about surgeries and medical practice. So this is sort of the where, the metaverse. Then you have things like the how, um, and I think blockchain is the how in the sense that it is going to be the fundamental structure on which all transactions will rely and that will create a layer of transparency and trust in everything that happens in the metaverse, in the way that your health records are stored and accessed, in the way that your prescriptions are um, also managed in the way that uh, products arrive to you and you use them. So all this backbone of um, transparency, tr trust, and all the structural aspects is linked for me to blockchain. And then you have the last bit of it, which are NFTs. And for me, NFTs kind of create sort of the middle layer between the backbone that is the blockchain and the environment, which is the metaverse. And to me, NFTs will be the way in which we interact, right? And these NFTs, um, just as today we have uh, physical wallets with banknotes and coins, um, tomorrow we will have uh, virtual wallets, crypto wallets with our cryptocurrency. And the day after, we will have wallets with our NFTs and those NFTs being linked to, for instance, our medical data, our prescriptions, our consent. So we will be able to manage inside our wallets all our sensitive medical data and have ownership of that, over that. So this is how I kind of see all these three things working together in sort of what we call the Web3. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I'm not an expert on your industry, but it makes perfect sense to me because at the end of the day, those three are part of the same uh, reality, you know? so I guess right. it makes perfect sense to see them all as intertwined uh, or so well connected. And what about, for example, uh, artificial intelligence? Um, how do you think uh, AI is um, applicable to the healthcare industry? Well, I'm not an AI expert, but there are a couple of things that we see emerging, right? Um, one of the fields that I believe is really interesting is using AI as an sort of extra brain that physicians can rely on to perform diagnosis and pick the right treatment, right? Um, so the way that I was told things at the very beginning is that physicians study medicine for, let's say, an average of six to 10 years, right? Um, there is only that much information that a human person can 
store in, in a brain and can use and can memorize. Um, if, if you look at all the scientific literature out there, it is impossible for a physician, no matter how expert that person is, to know everything that is to know on a field, right? And so you can think of artificial intelligence sort of as this limitless extra brain that you can pick and that can be a source of extra help when you need specific information. Um, and I believe that physicians will become sort of an interface between um, information provided by artificial intelligence and the patient because uh, physicians have something that artificial intelligence lacks, which is emotional intelligence. And I think that medicine relies as much on scientific intelligence that can be replaced by AI as much as on emotional intelligence that is how do you support a patient in announcing a disease, in helping that patient going through the disease and curing and their entourage and everything that has to do with that disease from a human standpoint. And I think that this is sort of the setup that we will see in upcoming years. Well, this idea of this uh, brain is, is very interesting indeed. And well, as part of my uh, work at the Global Impact FinTech Forum, I'm co-leading the Financial Inclusion Working Group, which means that I'm trying to look at ways of uh, well, helping uh, unbanked people, in, especially in developing uh, countries. And I read one of your posts where you mentioned that uh, blockchain and mobile apps can actually bring uh, health insurance to, to those developing countries. And well, I think that's, that might be remarkable, but how could that happen? Well, I don't have a precise answer. Uh, this was sort of a research subject that I worked on. Uh, it was already five or six years ago. So it's something that was quite a while back. Um, the idea was that in a lot of developing countries, people do not have access to um, medical credentials or um, access to bank accounts. And so how can you pay for care and get reimbursed when you don't have um, your bank account or you don't have access to any type of financial system. And so the idea that we explored back then was to look into ways that blockchain and cryptocurrency can create an alternative to the traditional financial system and um, a way for uh, patients to be able to pay for health services then send that information to an insurance company and that insurance company would be able to reimburse part of the care that that patient received without ever needing to use uh, traditional currency or the financial system. So that was sort of a research uh, field that I thought was really interesting to explore. No, indeed, indeed, it was very interesting. It actually caught my eye as well. So that's why I wanted to ask you about it. And well, before uh, wrapping up our uh, very interesting uh, discussion, uh, I'm learning a lot from you, but uh, we need to wrap up. But before that, I would like to go back to the very beginning. When I introduced you, I said that you uh, founded uh, 23 Consulting uh, to share with other people your passion for health and tech. So before finishing, I would like uh, to ask you like exactly uh, if you could share with the audience, what services do you offer as part of this uh, company, 23 Consulting? Yes, of course. Uh, so there are three things that we offer. Um, the first one is everything that has to do with uh, content creation, right? 
So how do you make difficult health tech concepts available for a larger audience in very simple words? And so this is much of what you can see on my social media if you follow me on LinkedIn. It's how do you make NFTs in healthcare massively simplified and accessible to everyone? How do you explain what a company that is working in the metaverse and blockchain space is doing to an audience that doesn't know what blockchain and the metaverse is? So all this content that we can create to make health technologies very simple and accessible to everyone, that is what we do. Uh, the second thing we do is um, everything that has to do with consulting, right? Uh, and our huge focus is developing use cases. Um, I speak from the standpoint of someone who knew nothing about technology and could only think in terms of use cases and business cases. And how am I going to use this in my daily life as a healthcare professional? And so we take technologies and we think, what are the use cases for these technologies? So we do a lot of studies, opportunity studies, feasibility studies to take these very theoretical technologies and put them into practice. And then the third thing that we do, and this is what you'll see much, uh, you'll see a lot if you look at my LinkedIn, is all the conferences. And um, as a keynote speaker, as a moderator, as a panelist, um, the idea is to go out there and sort of spread the word. Um, again, trying to talk about what are some of the latest tech trends in healthcare, uh, what are some of the things that we can expect next, the impact that all these technologies will have in healthcare. And it's such a fascinating and passionate field. It's so interesting to go out there and um, spread the word and have everyone discover this field and get everyone so excited to use this technology and invest in it and work with it. So this is, as you can tell, the part of the job that I like most is sharing that passion uh, on, on stage or through a podcast or whatever it is. I think this idea of um, making this um, whole area much more accessible um, to the general public is actually very important. I think what you do is very important because as you said before, I mean, I know that um, anyone can Google most things nowadays, but you also need to know uh, what to Google and where to Google it, no? So it, it, it's not that simple. So I think that you explaining people uh, those ideas and thus making those more accessible, uh, that's, as I said before, something very relevant. Well, thank you very much. I, I kind of really struggled to understand what blockchain uh, was and how it can be used in healthcare. So I thought if now that I understand it, I can share with others, uh, maybe uh, someone else will be able to benefit from it as well. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure they will. At least I myself uh, got to learn a lot from, from following you on social media, from talking to you now. So, I mean, for that, um, well, thank you very much. And of course, um, thank you very much as well for uh, coming to my podcast. Uh, we need to wrap up our discussion now. We are uh, pretty much running out of time. As I said, it's been a pleasure to host you, to, to get to learn so much from you. So uh, thank you very much, Anka, for your time. Thank you very much, Ariel. And well, to all my listeners, uh, thank you very much for uh, listening to my episodes. And please stay tuned for the next ones. Thank you and see you soon. Yeah.